2020, I hardly knew thee. The year so nice, they named it twice. Just kidding. <laughs> the pod people are here to usher hell year 2020 into its timely grave. I'm the harbinger of the end, Matisse Van Rossum. I am the plague doctor, Ben Sheets. Hi, I'm, <laughs> damn. Hi, I'm. Uh, I'm not the pale horse, but I'm pale and horse. Uh, I'm Cleveland Mosier. <laughs> oh well, it's that time of year again. Our annual reminiscence on the previous year. We're here to talk about 2020 in horror. A horrifying year with some bad and good horror films. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know how we do this. We're going to start with our bottom five films of the year, and uh, and then we'll do our top five. From the bottom to the top. From the bottom to the top, exactly. Uh, who wants to go first with their number five worst film of 2020? Let's just jump I'll right start. in. I'll start. So my goal... At the beginning of the year was to watch 120 movies by the end of the year. Wow. And COVID kind of took that sideways. However, as of recording this, I'm at 94, and I should easily hit 100 by the time this is released. Nice. So uh, with that, there have been several movies that I've watched on my own that we haven't covered on the podcast. So I'll start. Uh, number five uh, is a movie called Hashtag Alive. And this was a movie I was a little curious about. It it's, sounds terrible. It's a Korean movie about an esports gamer who lives in a high rise apartment. There is a zombie outbreak, and, you know, uh, zombies go on the loose, and he's stuck in his apartment. And I. In a way, I connected it to it because I, too, was uh, gaming through the apocalypse. Uh, but it was still pretty bad. It was uh, way too long, kind of uh, by the numbers. It had its moments. It had its action moments, too. Uh, but it's still number five for me. All right. Um, well, I guess I'll go next. Um, just... To give a couple of stats, uh, we covered on the podcast 18 horror films that came out in 2020. In my list, I have only ones we covered. So of the 18, 10 are in a list. So my bottom five aren't the worst movies. Frankly, I didn't see anything this year that was as abysmal as some of the things we have seen in prior years on the podcast. Um, so my number five is a film that we talked about uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, that is Sputnik, actually. Um, even though I overall thought Sputnik was pretty okay, uh, it did not do uh, enough to get me really excited about it, and it had no idea what it was trying to be. So uh, it lost some pretty major points for that and uh, ended up relatively mediocre in my eyes. So Sputnik is my number five. I feel like technically Sputnik should also be my number five because what I picked for my five I think is a better film. But I really like the creature design in Sputnik. And some of the imagery it conjured in my head. So uh, that's enough to save it. Uh, yeah, because any issues that I found in Sputnik were largely poor choices or forgivable. Like, there wasn't anything egregious mm. there. But this film, which I think is largely a better movie, 
does have an egregious ending, and that's Platform. Um, oh, okay. I I was just pretty disappointed by the ending, but overall, I would still recommend Platform over Sputnik, depending on the person. I still have to pick it because, again, like the whole idea of your movie being called Platform and you ending it on a platitude without realizing <laughs> it is just – come on. But again, overall, great movie. I still think about the Samurai Plus and all the other stuff. So and – and I think also this, this goes to show again, like when it came to like how bad our picks were this year – they weren't that bad. Like we we had a, a pretty nice selection that I'm putting something like platform in my in my five. It's no the perfection or uh, yeah, definitely uh, not or Greta. Greta, yeah, um, yeah. Platform actually, uh, if we were extending my list, would have been my my number six. It managed yeah. to just squeak out of the bottom five. That checks out. All right, Ben, what's your number four? So number four is another movie we did not cover on the podcast, awesome. uh, but that's okay. Uh, I love it. It's a little movie called Vivarium, uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. Yeah. Uh, the whole premise is all about a couple who is moving into the right. suburbs, the suburb and one, they yeah. get stuck in the suburbs forever. And it's a very cool concept, very mind-bending. Like weird, like, surrealist yeah, kind surreal. of suburbs. But, but doesn't the metaphor just kind of stop at them being stuck in the suburbs forever? And like, Yes, that's the, the biggest problem with it, is it doesn't do enough with the material. It is very mind-bending, and it does some interesting things, but it really is pretty one-note overall. And that's my biggest problem with it. I think, you know, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots are both great, but they can't carry this movie just because the material is not completely developed, which is a bummer, but it's number four for me. All right. Well, uh, my number four is, uh, one of the three films we talked about in our mid year catch up. Oh, I think we have the same um, one. My number four is blood machine. Same. Um, okay, yeah. cool. Well, we'll roll this into one then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blood machines had some, some cool aesthetic design choices. The coolest. The music was good. Carpenter Brute can't be beat. But that also was kind of one of its downfalls because it was ultimately a 50 minute Carpenter Brute music video. Well, it was worse than that. It was worse than that. And that's why why it it made its way onto my list. And I needed time to think about it. And especially after the podcast, I thought about it some more. A 50 minute Carpenter Brute music video would have been so much more welcomed. But what we got instead was actually... Not as much Carpenter bit like music video content as I think would have been appreciated from me, uh, and instead we got the worst acting and yeah. some some really sus and scummy writing and yeah, uh, some very pervy uh, like gross shit, and not in like an eighties heavy metal way uh-huh. either, like just in like a just in a skeezy way, and it's it's just such a hot bummer to like to have a film that kickstarted twice, you know, and and like that's the acting you're gonna have in your 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 masterpiece. Like, Seth Ickerman, you like, bastard. Like, come on. And again, too, like, this goes for, for every every film on my five. It made its way here because of a waste of potential. And more on that. I would largely agree. Yeah, as we push forward. But but no, I, I, I have to agree. I'm probably still going to rewatch it at some point, or at least some clips, you know, of, like, the cool sequences. Because, like, again, like, when it comes to the visual effects, it's it can't, that shit can't be beat. Yeah, yeah if think- you get a 4K TV, use it to... Show it off. <laughs> yeah. I think you can comfortably fast forward uh, any uh, quote unquote narrative scenes. <laughs> yeah. Anything there's dialogue. Like, that's the thing about Blood Machines is like, it's only 50 minutes, but 
it still has so little story to pad that out and just instead intersperses uh, Carpenter Brute music videos. And then when you're just getting into that, it stops again to give you some really terribly acted, dry, pervy, dumb scenes. Yeah. Um, But I will say one of the most visually striking films from this year. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, who I I don't know if I would watch it again. It was it was not it was not very good. I don't want to see more films from the director. I want to see more (laughs) visual effects from the director. I just stick to music videos. Yeah. Short music videos, please. Yeah. And for the love (laughs) of of god find new actors like what are you doing all right ben uh what's your number three okay so my number three is a movie we did cover on the podcast it's uh one of the last movies we saw in theaters before covid hit it was a little movie called gretel and hansel oh man almost now, made my list i, I have written as honorable bad mentions yeah this this one was rough i was so disappointed by it. you know oz perkins has shown that he can direct well and so to see him just kind of fumble this movie so badly and just lose the plot and not do enough with what he's going for it was so frustrating yeah, I just didn't enjoy it very much. I, to, to kind of add some commentary on that, like, we discussed it pretty uh, at length during the podcast, too. But, like, yeah, the reason it, it didn't make my list is because, like, once again, like, the things I found to be egregious weren't that egregious to me. It was, like, lacking in a few places, but there was still lots of great content to be seen, like, in the film. The the general aesthetic was still quite nice. Everything to do with The Witch, I thought, was was pretty well done. There was, like, there were, there was a lot of competent things about this film. And, you know, like, what really bothered me was was more just the lacking of a couple of aspects but that's just my personal thing yeah no i i I agree with you cleave um it didn't make it into my list but it does uh it does come i guess relatively close to the bottom it's Mm -hmm. just above platform actually it's definitely not my tops it's yeah it, it i mean it had a lot of good things going for it i think alex krieg's performance was good uh i just don't think the characters were particularly well written and it was kind of boring mm. um we also but, had a terrible movie going experience <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah i, I, I still haven't forgotten that help. like people shouting and stuff during the film but yeah no I, I think i think all your points are fine too ben yeah no i, I differ I, but i i think you're fine. i just did not enjoy mm. it and i don't think the theater experience we had helped by any means yeah gretel and hansel was uh low mid for me uh but what uh was i thought considerably worse than that that uh is my number three uh is another of our mid-year catch-up films the other lamb same that's again. my number two so yeah, cool. oh, awesome. yeah. all right start off yeah, uh this movie was fucking boring as shit oh my god so fucking boring once again very nicely shot uh production design very competent i would say even in terms of acting, not bad at all. But goddamn, the story was so slow and nothing happened. Dude, I, I I was going through this list and I was and I, I had to stop and ask myself, okay, what can I remember from each film? And I realized that everything I could remember from the other lamb was what we watched in the trailer. Yeah, pretty much. And I I, much. I can hardly think of much beyond that. It was mostly um, just people walking across bleak landscapes being bleak bleak and sad and mopey yeah that's the thing uh you know the other lamb is a movie where they figured out the premise but didn't figure out the story yeah 
you oh know, my God, so true. and oh my so they they have the premise down and they have some of the the production design down, so it looks nice, but they don't have anything to do with you know their premise, and so it just falls flat. And I think the most frustrating part of the other lamb minor spoilers is the ending. Where, you know, you're you're going through all the slow build-up through the entire movie, and then they have no real substantive payoff. Well, they don't. there is payoff. You just don't get to see it. Yeah, it happens off-screen. Exactly. Yeah. Which exactly. is fucking mad frustrating. Yeah, that's maddening. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't even. Especially after such a slow, boring movie that's not even that long. I think it was it was only about 90 minutes, if that, and it felt just like fucking hours. And it's like, if it had been slow and boring and then had at least had like a big climax at yeah. the end, it wouldn't have been great, but it would have at least been more forgivable. But mm -hmm. the fact that you build up all of this animosity and frustration towards like the the messiah figure the father or whatever they called him i can't even remember shepherd i think like the shep yeah the shepherd because yeah. lamb that's right the shepherd yeah uh we didn't even get to see uh her like brutally murder him yeah. that is just like that's unforgivable as yeah. far as i'm and, concerned you know uh I, I will say like as a mood piece my experience just sitting down and watching the movie was fine because like I, I i like just kind of sitting in a in a lukewarm bath you know just like just kind of sitting in the tub with a movie and just letting it play and just letting life go by like that's that's fine that's fine for me but my experience afterwards like what i felt i gained from it minimal very little yeah um, we watched it like six months ago and i i can barely remember any of the there's specifics there's really nothing to stick with you yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm not gonna i'm definitely not gonna put too much praise towards a lukewarm bath yeah. <laughs> right it's fine but it's mm. well uh ben since that wasn't your number no. two yeah so then, it's your uh, pick again yeah yep. so my number two was the very first 2020 film we saw this year which was the Grudge. I see you struggling to remember Clayton. Oh, yeah. yeah, such a long time ago. My, my number. So two, many years have passed since the beginning <laughs> of this year. <laughs> my number two pick is the remake of The Grudge, which I uh, actually went into with relatively high expectations because it's uh, written and directed by Nicholas Pesce, who did uh, The Eyes of My Mother, which is uh, a really dope creepy art house horror movie that uh i definitely want to talk about on the show at some point and man this thing was uh just boring and uninspired and by the numbers and didn't even really have many good scares or anything mm -hmm. like uh that's another one i mean i know this was the first movie we talked about in the in the year but like fuck i can barely remember what happened in the grudge yeah uh, I, I can i can actually like i have a pretty vivid memory of the, this film i don't know why i kind of wish i didn't uh <laughs> very little occurs in this film um i think i think our number one and two are, are swapped uh because this is this is my number one Okay. Um, to go ahead. It's not on my way. list. I I was actually a little pleasantly surprised by this one. Really? I didn't think it was good by any means, but it missed my top five no. because, uh, you know, Andrea Riseborough gives a decent performance in it. You know, there's some actually she's okay, pretty yeah. good production design. I think of mm -hmm. that scene with the old lady. Where she's like gross and in the gross kitchen, she like cuts her of, fingers off, yeah, yeah. puking. I vaguely and remember it's, that. It's it's such a sloppy, messy movie, but I kind of respect that a little bit. I um, don't. 
uh, which is why it's my number one. <laughs> well, but, uh, I, again, I think valid. Yeah. I, I think I think we're actually on the opposite. So I think the the turntables have turned for uh, uh, Gretel and Hansel. Like I think our opinions have, have have switched here. You're more forgiving of it, which good. But yeah, uh, what I have written about it uh, is, um, and yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and do mine because um, it's a little bit easier this way. Is uh, the reason it's my first and not my second is because my second is Sea Fever. And at least with Sea Fever, it made me feel something. Like, whether it was anger towards the film or disappointment or whatever, it made me feel feelings, whereas the only thing I felt from the grudge was that I wasted my money. Like, I'm just like, oh, why did I spend money on this movie ticket? Like, I got absolutely nothing out of, like, that experience personally. I just, I've seen, like, the gross kitchen sequel, like, stuff like that before and I, I feel like there's been times where it's been handled better and so I, did, I didn't gain that much from it I didn't have very high expectations going in but I had grudge expectations and this movie has very little grudge in it see I wish I could say that I even held a grudge against the grudge yeah but it, <laughs> but it's, it's so, so no so, yeah it was which so to me is just... worse like I'd rather I'd rather at least have, like, gain some sort of experience from the film you know like even if it like leaves me like kind of mad at it or whatever like at least I'm feeling feelings but this one is just dead inside because there wasn't even a goddamn there was hardly a grudge in it and uh, it was more like the effects of it around on people. And when the trailers for the original American ones, like growing up as a child, gave me nightmares, it shouldn't be that hard to do. Give me more of that. And that's all that's all that was needed. And we just didn't it's not enough grudge. Man. Yeah, I'm, grudge I'm also movie. now remembering that there was a whole like secondary plot that took place in the past with like uh um, I don't even remember the the actor's name, but like him and his wife and like the little ghost girl showing up and that was like in flashback, but it wasn't revealed that it was flashback until later in the movie. So dumb. That and, was confusing. And, uh, nothing happened in that either. Didn't feel for any of these characters. The detective a little bit, um, I think did a fine job, but like just again with very little, little to do and again, some poor decisions. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't. So anyway, to get to my second, Sea Fever. You already know. You heard you heard my points about it, and I think this is probably the the prime example for me of like a year of of missed potentials. I still want to love this movie. I really deeply do, and I feel like anyone associated with the like the making of the film could still go on to do fine things. And I don't know what the production was behind it, and uh, if COVID had anything to do with that. But um, I don't think so. I think the production was well wrapped before COVID. COVID yeah. yeah, but. I definitely want to see more like it. I just, I would like to see something a little more competent in the script because I was just, I was there for, for Madness and the Sea and we got very little of it. You know, the, really the only notable like moment of madness is a person wanting to, to swim. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, that's just not enough for me. Uh, it had one cool, uh, spoilers for Sea Fever, it had one cool moment with the exploding eyes and the, the butthole monster beneath the ship was cool. The setting was great. The protagonist I really wanted to like, and uh, I just couldn't because I, my prime, my primo example is your main character is a biologist. She sees a substance that is corrosive. It is it's boring through the hull, and it's clearly at this point they have enough evidence to recognize that it's alien and it's nothing that's been seen before, and that it's some weird biological fluid. And instead of doing anything else the first thing she does is touch it with her bare finger. And I just, I really can't get over that. I, I keep going back to it in my head and thinking just, 
you're they're a they're a biologist, you know, like and the first thing to do is just touch like a strange alien life. That's it's more egregious than the two engineers in Prometheus who like <laughs> like play with the 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 vagina snake, you know, like it's it's more it's more egregious than that even in my eyes. And again, just poke it with a pencil, like literally anything else. I think what she also does after it was such a gr- perfect opportunity for science and madness and all the themes that I love in a film. And I didn't get it, but at least I felt something. And at least there were still some cool ideas. And there were a couple things that were executed quite well in the film that I will I will like applaud. And, you know, like going into the movie, knowing that I, I'd still, you know, maybe recommend watching it just as an exercise. But I still want to see the movie that could have been. I still want to see Sea Fever. Because, again, just the thing at sea is just such a cool idea. But that's all. That's all for me. Um, I'm, now, I'm now working for the production studio. Uh, they're one of the studios that produced it. So I, should, I probably shouldn't say more than that. Again, best wishes. This like, is an unbiased To podcast. a lot of the, the cast and crew. And I, I do I do Nothing still... personal against them, but if they don't want us to talk shit on their movie, then they should have made a better movie. Well, <laughs> I suppose. I, I, won't, I won't say it, but... Uh, I don't work just for Just watch, watch The Thing it, or but... The Abyss instead. Yeah, yeah, You'll I... be much more satisfied. Well, uh, Ben, what was your... My worst one, film of the year. My number one worst horror movie of the year was a movie we didn't cover on the podcast. It's a little movie called The Rental, uh, directed by Dave Franco, okay. uh, oh God, starring really? Dan wow. Stevens of The Guest and Allison Brie. Um, it's about wow. two couples who rent out an, a remote Airbnb, and it turns out there's a killer on the loose. That sounds Fun. And it's a fun premise, which was why I went out of my way to watch it. Sure. You know, it's written by Joe Swanberg, who is, you know, kind of a mumblecore veteran. Uh, the problem is it's very by the numbers. And it was just so disappointing because you could have done so much with that concept. Uh, it could have been so much more fun, especially with the actors they had. It just kind of fell into tropiness and it just left me super disappointed so that's why it's my number one least favorite horror movie of the year well uh to to cycle back briefly cleveland you did predict correctly my least favorite film of the year was sea fever we feel that kind of the same about it, but it's the reason that I picked as my number one is because while The Grudge didn't make me feel much, Sea Fever was the most frustrating film I watched this year. For a lot of the reasons you've already described, the premise is great, but to have a movie that is mostly boring with very fleeting instances of short instances of excitement and frustrating, stupid, badly written characters. I can forget about the grudge, but I certain things in Sea Fever made me really angry, and I've held on to those things, um, and that's why it's my least favorite of the year. I will qualify by saying that even as my least favorite film of the year, I still gave it a two and a half out of five. Yeah. My lowest rating for this year is a two and a half out of five. So I don't know if that necessarily speaks to the overall quality of films this year or that we just didn't watch any of the really shitty ones or maybe I guess Ben did. No, I mean, um, even that one, the the rental, I give it two. 
Okay, so yeah. It wasn't the worst. Yeah. There, there were no Gretas this year. Exactly, yeah. yeah there like, was Because that, that movie, I think, got a one from me, if not, you uh, know, Yeah, I think like, it got a one or a one and a half from me. Yeah, what a mess. Um, There's no perfection either. There, like, there was yeah, nothing... This movie was way better, like, when it came to the bad choices. Yeah, there was nothing egregious this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, like, like you, like yeah, you pointed out... Yeah, Got Sea is miles above either of those. Like you pointed miles. out, Cleveland, this was, this was the year, in terms of bad movies this year, it was the year of missed potential mm-hmm. i think every i think every film in my bottom five had the potential to be a great film and even had some great people involved yeah. um and you know it's it's always more frustrating when you see how something could be good and that the the people behind it made all of the decisions to make it not good all right, uh, you you mentioned that your your number one was The Grudge, Cleveland, right? That's correct. Um, okay. Um, well, uh, I think this is the perfect time to segue into my segment. Cool. Um, because I think uh, a good end to the episode will be the best of. But I have a little segment in you know awards tradition. Ooh. I picked uh, several other possible awards with possible nominees, and we can just quickly go through them and figure out which one we want to give, what should we call the award? Oh, these are bad? No, or, good. These good. are good things. Um, let's call the the potties. The potties, okay. <laughs> oh, no. I lo- <laughs> or the- thanks, I love it. I hate it. <laughs> thanks, I hate it. That's the expression, yeah. Uh, yeah okay well all right this is our first annual potty award okay <laughs> so the first potty is We're for mature, we swear is for best actor and this one was actually one i had a bit of trouble figuring out because a lot of the movies this year had female stars you know female yeah. leads so the four i have here written down are nick cage in color out of space Mm-hmm. Ivan Massage from Platform, uh, Joe Keery from Spree, and I was really struggling for the f- fourth one, but I put Anders Heinrichsen from Blood oh. Machines. Actress is very competitive, but of those four, is, yeah, we'll is stick to those four. The, the gent from Platform, the guy from Platform, is he? Is that is that the old man, the samurai the lead. plus? The lead. the lead. Oh, the lead. Oh man! I, if we're talking about the old guy, like I, like I like I was saying, I was struggling to find actual mm-hmm. leads. We had eighteen movies; yeah. the majority of them were, you know, female leads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So out of these four, I think my vote would go to Joe Keery from Spree. Ditto. Oh, interesting. Ditto that. Uh, I'm gonna say Nick Cage from Color Out of Space. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Spree. I, I think like that's yeah, the 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 whole film front to back is a pretty great performance okay. on his part. Okay, so I'll give that, we'll give that one to Joe Curie of mm-hmm. Spree. So next one is Best Actress. And like I said, this one was way, 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 way more competitive. So uh, I have four nominees. Uh, so we have Betty Gilpin from The Hunt. Uh, really standout performance oh in there. Elizabeth Moss from The Invisible Man. Andrea Riseborough from Possessor. And Riley Keough from The Lodge. <sighs> Fuck, that is so. That is such wow. a tough one. Yes, yeah. like such I said, like one. these four all gave incredible performances. Yeah, knockout. You know, I think all of them did a fantastic job. 
damn shout out to the ladies this year like what what incredible knockout girls performances. get it done <laughs> like we yeah we were like struggling to find like male actors who put on like big performances this year but like yeah like that's just what a lineup what a hard choice for me it's very very close mm-hmm. between riley keogh and elizabeth moss i think i'm gonna give it to elizabeth moss same. for me though. same just same. because i think she has the most interesting arc yeah, I and, think, and what she and did with range like, in that one. I movie, think she yeah. gives such a fantastic performance in that. I do want to give another shout out to Betty Gilpin though, because yes. she takes, uh, you know, a mediocre movie and really makes it shine just solely it, yeah. through her performance, I which is agree. really uh, impressive. Um, so okay, so next one is best supporting actor. This one was actually a little bit easier than the other one. So out of these, I have David Arquette from Spree. You know, DJ Dad. DJ Dad. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Christopher Abbott from Possessor. Sean Bean from Possessor. Mm. And Michelle Huzman from The Other Lamb. It's a bit of a wild card. Mm, okay. And these are supporting? Yes. Yeah. I would I would definitely throw in the old guy from uh, Platform. Okay, sure, yeah. Into that because he'd be my he'd be my vote probably. Mine would be Christopher Abbott. Is that his yeah. name? Yeah, from Possessor. I thought he killed that role. Interesting. Yeah. He did, he did I, an incredible he's job. My, I, I would give it to David Arquette from Spree. See, uh, I think David so, Arquette's performance is dope. The reason I pick Christopher Abbott over David Arquette is that. David Arquette's role in Spree is much smaller. We don't get a whole lot of that's him. That's true. Meanwhile, we get a ton of Christopher Abbott in Possessor. And he's he, integral to the film. And, he's, mm-hmm. and he does a really great job. That's a job. good point. I think out of those four, I think a good consensus would be Christopher Abbott. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. definitely. Like, I, I'll, 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 I'll toss it in for that. Uh, but um, congrats on your potty, Christopher. <laughs> from, you can come pick it up. Yeah, when, when it comes <laughs> to old, COVID, when it comes to the old guy from the platform, like I, I think he's one of the best things about that film. Yeah, like, he is. He, he was fun, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay, so best supporting actress: Alice Krieg from Gretel and Hansel. I have Hilary Swank in The Hunt. I have Robin Nevin from Relic, The Old Lady. And Jennifer Jason Lee from Possessor. Oh, damn. That one's a tough one, too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think all four of them gave really good performances. Um, Hilary Swank was pretty great in The Hunt. I need to rewatch that film. I'm going to say... But probably Possessor. I'm going to say Robin Nevin from Relic, actually. Yeah, I think, I think she gives a standout performance in the movie. And, you know, while it isn't the lead role, per se, I think... It's such a crux of the movie mm-hmm. that yeah, it really around lies around her performance. Yeah, so. Absolutely, she does do a really good. That's right, and like, yeah, I gave me some like pretty close flashbacks and stuff. Like, it, it's such a genuine performance and very believable. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, Robin Evan gets that one. Uh, so best script, um, I have four here: uh, Possessor, Relic, The Lodge, and Spree. If you have any audibles you'd like to chime in, feel free. But I think those are the ones that really stood out in terms of writing. Yeah, that's yeah. a tough one. Those are those are really close. For me, I'm going to say Possessor. I would agree. Yeah. I I think Possessor is probably the best of the four. Yeah, the Lodge is close. Sure, yeah. The Lodge is very close. 
I yeah, I would say the Lodge and Relic are both close contenders for that one. Yeah. But but Possessor, I think it has has the best script. Damn, that's just giving me warm fuzzies mm. thinking about like how good all three of those scripts are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Possessor. All right. Okay. So uh next one is Best Kill. And this one Ooh. is a little more arbitrary. I, I think you guys probably have some special mentions for this, but the four I have written down are the dinner scene in Invisible Man. You know, the surprise oh, yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuck. Uh, Fuck, that's such a good kill. Sean Bean scene in Possessor. The entire opening sequence of The Hunt and the finale of The Lodge. <sighs> With an honorable mention of the spider from Color Out of Space, but I don't think that's particularly a kill yeah. in the same respect. Yeah. So. Actually, technically, Sean Bean in The Possessor, he doesn't die there. That's true. That's a good point. I think I think it it counts though because it it serves the same purpose of of a of a kill. Oh yeah, yeah, no, just no, keep it in. Keep it um, in. yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it to to Sean Bean and Possessor just for how viscerally brutal and and stomach churning and shocking it is. Yeah, it is really um, gnarly. I think for me. I would give it to the dinner scene in Invisible Man. I'm gonna agree. Such a good because one. unlike any other scene this year, it made me audibly gasp yeah. when we watched it. One of the few times this year where like I was like very caught off guard. I'm fine with it going to that one. Yeah. I, I disagree slightly, God. but I'm definitely okay what with a, that. What a yeah what a great yeah. goddamn movie. we'll we'll get to that a little Under bit more fucking rated <laughs> frankly uh so next is best score uh slash original soundtrack so i have the invisible man the lodge spree uh kurt's world 94 <laughs> and, uh, and uh blood machines <sighs> uh-oh <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna give it to Blood Machines. Yeah, my impulse is to give it to Carpenter Brute, but I think I'm actually gonna go with the Lodge on this one. The the organ is great. Yeah, I think the 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 use of of that hymn as sort of like a recurring musical motif is really strong, and like the score they build around that is really good. I thought that film had a great score. Um, I, th- I think all of the ones you you listed are are notable Solid. scores. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, for me, it's the Lodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I think the one thing I'll say is I really like the way Spree uses diegetic yes, soundtracks. Absolutely, I think that's such a fun way of like exploring Kurt's psyche a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Seems to be mine, but let's yeah, let's throw it at uh, let's go for let's go for Lodge for that one. Okay. Cool. Next one is best cinematography, and I have Possessor, The Lodge, Color Out of Space, and Underwater. Another really, really tough one. Yes. Uh, not for me, Possessor. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to agree, actually. I think all of them are excellently Possessor's shot Possessor's so fresh in my head. It's I think there's a little bit of recency bias for me. Uh, but I don't, uh, yeah, since y'all are so, are so on that one, I'm cool with, uh, with throwing my vote in. Yeah. yeah. Possessor is very well shot. Mm-hmm. Rad. Uh, so, uh, two more, two left. Uh, cool. so one is best visual effects and I have here invisible man underwater possessor and host actually underwater for me. I, I, I think 
underwater is for me as well. The yeah. set design is out of this fucking world. <laughs> Those the, monsters, the monsters are really cool. Incredible. Really cool, frankly. Yeah, I think I'll get. I, yeah, I think I'll give it to Underwater as well. No, I will say Host is kind of an unconventional pick of the four, but I think you know, in terms of quarantine, they do so much out of what they have. But I still would give it. To yeah, I think it's hard overall. to. It would be hard to really give it to Host because those were just the actors' actual apartments, so they were all the sets were already dressed. <laughs> it's not really production but, design. But the visual effects. Yeah, the visual yeah, effects sure, sure. Uh, were pretty incredible yeah. for what they had. Absolutely, for, yeah. um, for what they had, I think. Okay, yeah. so. This one kind of rolls in with our five worst, but I think it's unique in its okay. own way. This one is Hottest Mess. And we have Sea Fever, The Grudge, Blood Machines, and Sputnik. I think Blood Machines Blood is, Machines. Like, is Blood such Machines. a hot mess. Blood Machines yeah. is for sure. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the hottest mess. <laughs> there, yeah, sea if Fever I, if I needed frustrated to... me the most, but Blood Machines was the messiest. Yeah, if sure. I needed to like summarize that movie, that's a really good way, frankly. Like, yeah, if that, yeah, if you had to summarize hot, like Blood Machines, I think it's hot mess. It would fall. It's into, hot. It's a it's a, blood, it's a bloody mess. Yeah, it, hot mess is like. The perfection from last yeah, year, yeah, you know, for sure. where it's for just sure. all over the place. Yeah, wow. Uh, but yeah, that was that was all I had. Um, uh, you can gather your awards anytime. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, come on by. Uh, I wouldn't mind throwing in too, like just mentioning for like sound design. Oh yeah, because well, we had scores, but I think like like sound design for films. Um, some would be, of course be once again. I think Invisible Man, Possessor. The lodge, the lodge, I think. Yeah. Um, underwater, I would underwater. say also mm-hmm. for sound well, design. And underwater yeah, might that. underwater might be it for me. No, uh, in terms yeah. of the sound design. Yeah, th- honestly, like I made that category so I could bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. You got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Excellent. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, that was the the first annual potties. Uh, yeah, DM us, uh, folks who won your your awards uh, to come come pick them up. Um, you know, we'll be here waiting. Um, all right. Cool. Well, uh, that was a nice little intermission. So let's get into our uh, top five films of 2020. Uh, I think a lot of the categories in the potties kind of. Uh, Gave away. Forecast what a lot of some of the films <laughs> that are going to collectively be in our top fives. Uh, I feel like that uh, we're going to have a lot of the same films. But Ben, uh, what is what was your number five? My number five is a movie. All of my top five are movies we covered on the podcast, actually. Same. Um, I think an honorable mention that we didn't cover uh, and I would recommend checking out is Baccaro. Uh, I don't know if it technically counts as a horror movie or not. Um, I didn't count it as a horror movie, so I didn't add it. Um, But my number five would be The Lodge. I think it's a really incredible movie. I think it's one I still need to revisit. I, I love its dark, brooding atmosphere. I think Riley Keogh is an incredible performance. Um, the production design is great. Just a really well-rounded, awesome movie. I'd I'd like to chip in on that real quick um, because I, I have a point. The the lodge is not on my list, um, but it's not because it isn't uh, a masterpiece. And honestly, I think the reason it's not on my list, there's an argument to be made for it why it should be, and that's that like I had such a bad time watching that movie like by design that it's just it's hard for me to like to put it in a in a list of favorites. For myself, like it's going to be a long time before like I'll I'll feel comfortable like sitting down and watching that film again 
and all largely because of personal experience and just some very personal like associations with that film. Not uh, personal associations with the film, but the subject matter of the film. Yeah, it just it hit me really hard, and uh, I had a, a, just a terrible time watching that movie. And yeah, it was, it was rough. It was really rough for me. So I, it's I'm just I'm hard pressed to put it as a favorite, but also like it hit me that hard because it's a masterpiece and it's a very good film. So I do, I do want to at least give a very, very strong honorable mention to that movie because frankly, like it should be at the top of my list because of those things, but I just, I couldn't do it. Well, uh, my top five was, was tricky. And I also want to start with an honorable mention, um, because it was in my top five, until we watched, uh, well, I won't say which movie, um, but um, we did watch a movie recently that easily made it into my top five, and it squeaked this film from fifth place into sixth. Um, so, uh, I, honorable mention for Underwater. Underwater was really fun, um, and I liked a lot of things about it. Uh, but my number five is uh, Color Out of Space. That's also um, mine. Nice. Yeah, the uh, the Richard Stanley adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story starring Nicolas Cage in a suitably batshit crazy role. Uh, I thought this adaptation was pretty faithful to the spirit of the story. While at the end was a bit of a visual mess... I think fun that, mess. Uh, it was fun, but I think a lot of the the visual effects that came before some of the practical body horror creature effects uh, were really, really strong. And I just really enjoyed the aesthetic and the production design of that film as a whole and uh, found the performances mostly pretty strong, but uh, especially standout performance from my man, Nicolas Cage. Doing his best Trump impression. Doing his best Trump impression. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, this movie just uh, was outside of my top five. I loved the cinematography of this movie. I loved that creature design of the spider mom is yeah, just implanted in my head i will say Ooh, some niche. of the cg is iffy questionable but i think the the, the, the pink tornado at the end was yeah, great looking no. the weird inside out uh, animals could do without them but like the practicals i thought when they work, they really fucking work in this movie. I agree. I think, uh, yeah, the, the only thing is, like, for instance, with the alpacas, I think, like, it's just riding the coattails of the thing so hard mm -hmm. that it's it's difficult for me to give it, like, points for originality. But um, for execution, I mean, it's fan-fucking-tastic when it comes to the practicals. Uh, my The reason it's, I think, the fifth and that, like, my fourth one over it was because the color out of space is magenta. And I, I would have liked... I would have liked points away for not being able to visually depict an unfathomable color. Well, like I said on that podcast episode, I think that shifting colors would have been a much better way to do it. Depicting the color out of space as a singular color, I think, was was not a choice that I would agree with. Sure. Um, uh, whereas, like, a shifting miasma or... You know, something that feels almost broken, I think would have would have been perhaps more effective. But that's more of a personal preference. I think the magenta looked very good. Uh, and again, the roles, everything else, very fun movie, uh, pretty wild. The film wasn't afraid to 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 go nutty with it, and I, I tend to respect that. But it's no it's no Mandy, but like it's a, it's a damn fine and a fun film, and I'll gladly watch it again. Well, Ben, what's your number four? My number four is your honorable mention. It's mm. Underwater. I. Nice. 
absolutely loved this movie. I thought it was the sleeper hit of 2020. Really didn't get the yeah. critical or commercial success that it deserved. I would agree with that, even um, though it didn't make my top five. Yeah, I think it's really just a, a hidden gem from this year. It's one of those movies where I wish I could have seen it a second time in the theaters oh, because yeah. it's such a cinematic experience. And, you know, it's maybe not the smartest movie of the year, but it's one of the most fun and engaging movies of the year. And it has some of the best production design of the year by far. Hell yeah. I would agree with pretty much all of that. Um, definitely why I wanted to shout it out. Uh, my number four is um, Relic, which uh, I thought was a really excellent film. Uh, super dour and depressing, uh, but in a really purposeful, impactful way. Uh, obviously, sort of um, depicting the... the uh, horror of Alzheimer's or dementia and caring for somebody, uh, who has it and, uh, just, yeah, a, a really, a really, uh, impactful film that has stuck with me in a lot of ways. And, um, mega sad made me feel real bad, but, uh, I know that's what I was supposed to feel. feel yeah. So, uh, so I'll take it. It's a good, bad time. It's a good, bad time. What was your number four, Cleve? My number four was Spree. Oh, nice. And, uh, cause it just, man, uh, that film made me think a lot about like, oh God, it's not like, a, I sound like a moron saying this. I'm going to say it anyway. Think, man. It, 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 it did, it did like kind of force a lot of cognition for me about like social media and marketing in a pretty neat way. Like, uh, and that, that desperation of like needing more likes, needing more clicks. It provided commentary on a thing I didn't think you could provide commentary on without being mega cringy. Like social media is such a tricky thing to provide commentary on, especially in horror. There are so many terrible films that have tried, and I honestly was at a point where I was thinking it wasn't possible, and boy, how did Spree, like, turn me around on that. What great commentary in that it's film. It's so hard to make a movie about the internet without seeming like an old man. Yeah. You know, but... Or they, too irony-poisoned yeah, or whatever, it, like, and it it has just, a, it's so genuine. An air of authenticity. Yeah, that, it does, and it's, it's a knockout performance. It's it's fun, uh, it's it's entertaining, and yeah, I just, I really have to, to give it high praise. And uh, on that note, too, uh, the, the tr that trend is, is going to continue forward. I really should have put Relic on my list, um, and I didn't, though I, I, don't, I don't know if, I don't know if maybe I should... Uh, I don't know if I feel regret over that. Maybe I should I could replace that with Colorado Space. Like the two the two I think sort of you know exist in tandem for me because Relic was like it had so many like Silent Hill House of Leaves qualities. It just it really did capture like and encapsulate so many feelings that I love and again the concept of dementia is very close to me. Yeah, what what a great fucking movie. So very very strong honorable mention. Maybe it should just be in there and I should have put more thought into it. But that's that that's beside the point. What is the point is the the things that I did pick from here on are mostly dumb like they're most of my choices this year are very gut uh whereas last year it was all like all my picks were things like midsummer and the lighthouse and things that made me think they were very psychological and academic that tends to be where i lean but this year no nah, uh all gut like all dumb you know like that's i was i was really feeling it in 2020 <laughs> well that's the wonder thing. why it would be so easy to write 
2020 off as the COVID year where there were no movies, but I oh, no. I think yeah. there were a ton of good movies. In fact, yeah. my top three, I gave all of them five out of fives. So at number three, I have a little movie called Possessor that we recently covered. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic movie. Um, you know, golden pod material for sure. Andrea Riseborough gives such a fantastic performance. I love kind of the realistic dystopia uh, setting of the film. I love the visceral violence and practical effects. It's just so fantastically done and so colorful, too, for such dark material, which I really appreciate. Uh, my number three was The Invisible Man, um, which uh, I think also, similarly to Underwater, kind of a sleeper hit, maybe a little bit less so. I think The the Invisible Man got more of its due than Underwater did, but uh, it, was, it was very much a sleeper hit for me. I was not expecting this movie to be as great as it was. Going into it, you know, I was afraid for more of the fucking... Uh, dark universe bullshit uh and also you know lee Wanell, you never know which way that's gonna skew but uh even you though never one know you never one know which way that's gonna skew although uh i do generally enjoy his work uh upgrade was dope uh <sighs> the first rules. the first saw uh is good but uh yeah invisible man was fucking awesome uh, really standout performances, great visual effects, uh, dope action, just like some really, really well-constructed scenes. Uh, yeah, Invisible Man was my number three. Uh, underwater is is my number three uh, for, I think, all the reasons we've we've brought up. Yeah, talk about a sleeper hit. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this year, like when it comes to my favorites, uh, and I think most of our favorites as well, like I, I just I feel like like someone flicked like a switch. Or something, because like so many of our picks, so many of the films that we've been raving about this year, no one's talking about or far less. I think like Invisible Man has been getting some like some critical love, but Underwater is largely panned. Possessor hasn't had the time to be talked about yet, like in in, in fairness. But even still, I think considering how fucking great it is, like I'm looking around me like, where, where's the love? You know, like especially compared to last year where we had like and again, last year had so many real bangers in it, like uh, with Midsummer and The Lighthouse. And people are people are still talking about those like those those films have, have already like cemented themselves and like academically like like fucking proficient, spectacular masterpieces, you know, criterion material criterial if you will <laughs> and uh i think <laughs> that this year has some like plenty of bangers as well but i don't i don't think we're gonna see see a year like 2019 when it comes to like best films like of, of so many best films of that caliber for a while that's a once in a long time kind of lineup i just what a just a series of perfect movies to come out in one year but still Great fucking films this year. Underwater. To talk about that for a moment before we move forward. We've already talked about it. It's just damn good fun. The set design and the, wor- like the world setting itself 
is great like hard science fiction and then the the premise and like execution of the film is fun sci-fi it all looks very well thought out and like you can you can get into the fun of that movie you can really immerse yourself in it the same way i used to like when i was a kid with star wars you know like i can, I can get down with like all those ideas i think it wore like alien on its sleeve very well with scenes like the the pods when she's trying to get through that it's just it's such a such a good theme park ride i was just constantly engaged having a great time i think the pacing is flawless and the ending is fantastic and just to see a world that's so well built like that station like was so well constructed and thought out really impressive stuff fun movie uh just my my whole gut like loves this movie there again there's not a whole lot to like academically pick apart about this film but it's just it's so fucking fun it's so good you know you have a special movie on your hands when not even T.J. Miller can ruin it. <laughs> oh, wow. Well said, though. Well yeah, said. true. Y'all want to be pissed off real quick yeah. uh, before we move on? Underwater's average rating on Letterboxd is 2.8. What is it? What, what am I missing? <laughs> yeah. Why do know. people like, hate on this film? I don't so We're much. not missing anything. Everyone it. else is missing like, everything. Well, there's got to be something. It's like... I don't know. Am I am I getting like? Because I'm not like. I think the problem I'm not losing is, my mind over like how deep the movie is. I think like, the I'm problem recognizing is, it being, but it's it's deep. I mean, it's, it's deep down, down deep the underwater. underwater. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I'm not losing my mind like like it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Like oh, it's so fucking smart, man. No. Like drinking from a red solo it's cup simple. or whatever. But like I would it's, almost it's argue yeah, and well constructed. I would yeah. almost argue that the big thing with the rating is not enough people saw it in theaters. This is mm. a movie that needs. And begs to be seen in theaters. That's true. I, I haven't really like watched it. It since might the have diminishing returns on a small screen. Also, th- that's true. That is very true. I think there's also such a strong, largely thanks to Red Letter Media too. I think there's such a strong like mentality around "fuck you." It's January that like people yeah, for sure. people were just going in with that expectation. Yeah. I, I'd be willing I mean, to bet I go that, like, in the, with that expectation. I the went in with you, that expectation. Yeah, yeah, and like the fuck you, it's January thing. Like, I just, I really don't see the productivity in that. I know there are plenty of like bad films and that is usually when they get shushed away. I don't think it's a matter of productivity. Like, I think that's just, that's just like the case. Yeah. But yeah, I think that this for film studio is studio films for sure. I'd be willing to bet this film is a, is a victim of that expectation. Probably. Like, um, Probably. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, God, I'd love to know why people don't like this movie because I got, I had such a, Maybe it's because it's not that deep. If you didn't like this movie, let us know. (laughs) Tweet at at Cleveland. And it's totally fine to not like it, but man, I had such a fun time. Yeah, no, it's so bizarre to me because uh, Underwater is like a Mm 2.8. The Lodge is like a 3, 3.1 or something. Fucking baffling. This year has just been so... The the ratings on Letterboxd have been so different than my personal ratings. It's so interesting. But what's, yeah, what's your number two? My let's, number let's two is Spree. Um, I think this is a fantastic movie. I think it's one of the best found footage movies uh, ever made. Um, just because it's so creative in its use of found footage and its mix of materials. You know, you have so many different types of footage from you know vertical phone camera to security cameras to gopros all these different mediums put together into a cohesive whole it's one of the the most of the internet films i've ever seen it feels like it 
was born and bred off of extremely online culture in a way I've never quite seen before done well. And I think Joe Curie gives a fantastic performance. And I think the whole idea, like you said, Cleveland earlier, of it really making you think about clout culture and the economy of engagement is really unsettling and interesting well yeah most definitely and i you know like uh this this past year i've I've gained a lot of like personal affiliation with that because up until now like for a long time i was making the whole the whole joke about how i live under a rock like i i try to i've been i tried to stay away from social media largely though i have had to run it like run social media stuff or like some of the games we've put out and whatnot um but this year i was running qa for multiple games like the drag collection uh two and three and a few others. And part of that was like having to like keep an eye out for when Twitch streamers were playing the games and like hop in and, and chat with them and whatnot. And like I had to really immerse myself in that world. And especially from like the marketing side, like from the production side of it. And seeing what elements are artifice, what are not, what's genuine and when like it was all so strongly like it was something that was already like such a big part of my life. And I was so, so steeped in suddenly that uh, this film hit me at, at the right time also because I was just already considering a lot of those things. And it just – yeah, it, it brings up all those points so well and, and honestly, like not that cynically either. Like I mean it, it is, but you recognize that even within the confines of that movie that like there's still plenty of good on social media. Like there's still plenty of whatever else like that. Like it's just change is neither inherently good nor bad and they do a good job of showing that. And I think it's because it's such – it works because the movie has so much fun with itself. It's such a fucking funny movie, too. Oh, That's yeah, the, the comedy like, really saves oh, it. Oh, man, it's so funny, and the kills are so creative and fun. I love the the attention to detail with it, with all the you know chatters and seeing all these chatters throughout the film giving authentic commentary. Oh, yeah, the Twitch chat, yeah. Uh, I thought that's such a fun little detail. Um, this film is so full of little details. Kurt's World soundtrack, for example. Mm. You know, it's just so much in there, and it's so much fun. I think it's just an incredible piece of filmmaking. Yeah, you know what it really got me into was the smaller Twitch streamers. After watching this movie and also after, like, having to really get into Twitch for work when I wasn't really that, that big into it beforehand, I definitely prefer, like, the streamers that, you know, run about 30 or so, like, people in their streams nothing like too crazy because like when when you get to like the bigger number streamers and stuff like it it once again sort of becomes like it's the personality it's the so-and-so show whereas before that it's just hey come on hop in my room let's hang out for a little bit and play some games and chat and they're usually a lot more engaged and it just it feels much more personal and with quarantine that's even more like relevant and it's 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 nice to have those sorts of social interactions where you can just kind of like hop in and out of these these people's like you know, little like comfortable homes and their little their little setups as they play games and just chat with like new people. You start to crave it after a little while, and it's it's funny. But the film made me like really consider a lot of those elements and those things. Yeah, well, it's it's way. so interesting looking at kind of how people find self worth out of you know engagement capital, like clout capital, essentially. It's uh, so well done in this movie with Kurt just desperately <laughs> trying to, you know, get more people to watch his stream and like his stuff. Mm -hmm. 
um, crying for attention almost. Yeah. And it's funny too, because like there's the, there's that same conversation that can be held around like the price of art. You know, I, I think those are, those are very similar topics. The value of social media and like the, and also like the cost of art, I think are, are very, very similar conversations, but we can have that another time. Let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, so my number two for 2020 was uh, Possessor, which we've already talked a little bit same. about. Possessor was a fucking incredible film. Uh, our one unanimous perfect rated film of the year between the three of us. Masterpiece. Um, yeah. Big, big ups to Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, like Ben already mentioned, like the the very realistic uh, dystopia that sort of reflects the world that we already live in the really like graphic violence the cinematography um, worth noting I thought it was funny uh, Andrea Riseborough was in both films that made up my respective number two slots <laughs> uh, The Grudge was my number two worst film and Possessor was my number two best film um, so she uh, she really uh, was at opposite ends of the spectrum uh, in terms of films this year. I'm just glad she's getting work. Yeah, uh, but man, Possessor was fucking dope. Had some really incredible, surreal, abstract sequences, really great practical effects, just all around a banger of a movie. Hard agree. It's great. See your episode about it. It's a good film. It's Everything good about it's good. I like it a lot. Brandon Cronenberg is not only following in his father's footsteps. I think like he's elevated by them for uh, sure. by the legacy he grew up in, which is rare. Which is very rare uh, when it comes to like prodigy and legacy. David Cronenberg must have done something right. This could have been a David Cronenberg if he'd been born now. Yeah, you know, like it just it felt so right, and it, it hit. It hit so many points that I love to thematically, like more so than many Cronenberg films do. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of science fiction in Cronenberg films, but like this one just it, it's just it's so ghost in the shell. It's so good. And I it, it's 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 so like cyber noir. And I mm, oh, it's my favorite. I love it when it's good. Like it, It's one of my favorite genres. So as you said, big ups to Possessor. Ben, what's your first? My number one movie of the year is The Invisible Man. Same. I think it's such an incredible, yes. incredible film. You know, it elevates an age-old story, a timeless tale, and really modernizes it to be very current and mm -hmm. of this age um, with, you know, uh, reflections on the Me Too movement and modern feminism, all the while being a visceral and wholly entertaining film. Uh, Lee Winnell just do, does a fantastic job directing this. The production design and art design, especially of the suit, is really cool. And again, like we mentioned uh, in our potties, Elizabeth Moss gives uh, just a fantastic performance. performance. Yeah, and our episode on it as mm -hmm. well, for that matter. Well worth listening to. Uh, just gushing, gushing about that film. Um, I'm gonna chime in as well, I think, sure. since it's also my pick. Uh, it's, yeah, no, it, it well deserves it. And yeah, I want to see this film get more love. And again, too, like this film, it's basically a comic book movie. It's a B monster movie. Those two genres are very similar. Uh, and the, like the suit, especially be, like being made into like an, an evil Iron Man suit, like the Invisible Man in this movie is essentially like a villainous Tony Stark in this age of like the MCU, like bullshit and just like being constantly barraged by 
comic book movies and and just having growing up with such a deep love for them and now like resenting them i just i feel so refreshed to to still be able to pick a film like this as a favorite of mine and uh and also because academically as well like it's just it's such a shining example of how to incorporate themes organically yes it is it's feminist yes it's 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 progressive in its plot but it's all by example and it's all by just like how elizabeth moss like carries her character it's a very well constructed film oh yeah yeah. um uh it's just it's so crisp it's so clean i want to go watch it again right now i recommend you do the same uh (laughs) uh yeah great film tons of fun that's how you fucking do it right there please fucking throw money at that movie I, I, we need more like it all right well i will round things out with my number one um i am clearly the dark horse this year Ooh. uh and uh and i'm okay with it uh because okay, i'm the pale horse <laughs> yeah, so between us <laughs> because my number one uh was actually a, a very easy pick for me uh and it was the lodge uh, the Lodge uh, has sat at the top of my list for the year uh, since it came out, and it has not moved. Uh, Possessor put up a damn good fight. Damn good fight. Uh, very, very close. Uh, but yeah, for me, just like the atmosphere and the dread and tension of the lodge and the slow burn and like Riley Keough's performance and her descent into madness at the hands of like the pranks of children and how that comes back to bite them in the worst possible way at the end and the sound design and the score and the cinematography it's such a frigid cold film in every way haunting I, I think um, for me and I'm I'm due for a rewatch because I haven't seen it since we saw it in the theater but uh, I, I think about that movie a lot so yeah the lodge is is my number one I think it I think it it's well suited there um, and if anything too like I think that films like possessor and the lodge like are probably like more prime like first picks as well especially again academically which is why i i prefaced earlier by saying mm-hmm. like a lot of my picks this year are from the gut because they just they hit me like so heavily like in yeah. the you know like the in in my bowels you know in, in my guts you know like it has very little to do with brain um <laughs> which good is, is is different for me i'm i'm usually i'm a little bit more pretentious than that but but this year like <laughs> goddamn i was just really feeling the, the fun comic book bullshit and again because invisible man had both and had it had both for me but uh yeah no I, I think like in an alternate world like the lodge is probably my first pick too it, it really is a masterpiece it is a masterpiece of a movie um do we have any other like films we wanted to we wanted to shout out like any um, other honorable mentions if if you want to do some honorable mentions quick that's fine but uh let's keep them short uh uh just a couple of like good moments in the beach uh in beach house mm-hmm. i think i think are worth I saying agree. like a couple of the special effects um and uh you know like where that movie was lacking it was never egregious it definitely nowhere near the the bottom five uh and of course like i said relic as well like i think that in an alternate world like that i i i'm, I'm still kind of surprised that didn't make my list because of like all the things i've already said 
Beach House, uh, host, host as well. Yeah, like, big I, shout out. I want to throw an honorable mention to host as well. Yeah, um, it does that's, that's so much film. with what it had. It's know? the most uh, thematically appropriate movie of the year. Yeah. The entire production done during the pandemic in quarantine, making use of the limitations and turning it into something special. And it felt genuine for it. Uh, very genuine, kind of by the numbers, but ultimately, yeah, I think host is, was a good one. I want to give a special shout out to the hunt as mm-hmm. well yes. um i think for such a loaded movie it really didn't feel that controversial instead we got a very fun movie yeah um you know it's it w- politics were soft even yeah. though it was pretending on, like honestly they were, very lindelof yes. you know it mm. didn't surprise well it did surprise me when we saw his name as the writer but uh it shouldn't have Um, Another movie I want to shout out really quickly. It's not one we covered on the podcast, um, and it's not strictly a horror movie, but it does have a couple of minor horror elements, is VHS. Um, Oh, yeah. It's a a sort of sketch comedy with a bit of horror elements, where it's kind of this uh, young kid in the 90s uh, tapes over his parents' wedding VHS with late-night TV. Uh, So it's interspersed uh, segments from this wedding with him shooting his friends, as well as uh, weird late-night TV sketches. Um, Super creative, super interesting. I think they do some fun horror movie-esque stuff at the end, Um, but overall it's just a great time. It's a movie made for me, too. I mean, with all the VHS-style uh, stuff. Yeah, that I, was a fun movie. Also, there's there's one film that's been on my mind a lot lately that I haven't seen, but I feel like could probably <laughs> go somewhere in those. I know, I know, uh, and that's probably VFW. I still really want to see that movie, and I don't know if it's any good. Oh, Ben, did you see it? I saw it. I was disappointed by oh, it. Oh, bummer. I'm glad I asked, uh, though. I wanted so much more out of it. I didn't um, think it was terrible, but I didn't think it was, I think it was particularly good. We waited too long on it. Like, uh, I'm surprised that you didn't pick it for your mid-year catch-up. Yeah, I almost did. I mean, I wish I did, considering what what, what all we did watch. The, what a man! What what terrible terrible picks those ended up being. Like, if we'd watch, yeah, it would have been nice if we'd watch VSW instead of Other Lamb. But uh, the other movie uh, I, I'd uh, I'd like to shout out really quickly sure. that has horror elements. I don't think it's strictly horror. I think it's very cerebral. Is uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, the Netflix mm, I film. I still need to see that. Uh, it's very slow, very mind bending. Definitely has some horror elements, but it is. Really fascinating. Jesse Buckley gives a fantastic performance as the lead. Um, she was Orietta in Fargo. Oh, she's so good um, in Fargo. Oh, my God. Jesse Plemons is great. Tony Collette is great. David Thewlis. Man, big Just shout out to Fargo. Awesome. Awesome. A lot of Fargo alums yeah. in that. Yeah, damn. Big shout out to Fargo, especially the last season. Oh, my God. Speaking of, actually, that was that was going to be a question I had for you guys, is do you have – I don't think I do, but do you all have any – Shout outs for horror television this year. Yeah. Do you have anything you wanted to, to bring up? Because yes. when else are we going? I think to? consensus would be two primary shows, right? There, there's Devs mm-hmm. and uh, The Outsider. The Outsider. Yeah. I would say Devs is 
it walks that line. It has some horrifying stuff. It's but existential. It's more, it's more like dark existential sci-fi. In terms of straight horror, yeah, standout is uh, HBO's uh, Outside, The Outsider, based on the Stephen King book. That shit blew me away. I read the book in preparation for the show, expecting like a pretty average uh, HBO affair. That show fucking rules. Awesome. Banger. Yeah, I would easily put it up there with uh, the the other like great prestige television we've gotten in the last couple of years. Chernobyl, Debs, uh, The Outsider takes its place among those for sure. I, I definitely want to ditto, like again, eh, horror adjacent, but uh, I definitely want to ditto Debs. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to watch television this year, like damn, uh, we've you'd talked be missing about out. Alex Garland on the show when we did Annihilation. So like, yeah, definitely like Debs, while it's not really horror it's absolutely worth checking if, out. If you enjoy, like, Ex Machina, watch Debs. Ex Machina, Annihilation, yeah, any of it, for yeah. sure. Well, especially because it's considering the affiliation. Yeah. Like, they're, uh, Debs and Ex Machina are essentially set in the same world. And that, mm, oh boy, it, mm, I, I, I prefer it in every way to Ex Machina, frankly. Like, I, I think it's, you know, it's even better. And I rewatched that film recently. It's damn good. But Dev's just yeah. Alex Garland's wow. uh, output in the last few years yeah. has been consistently uh, perfect, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, it's it got it's hard to get into why with mm-hmm. Dev's, but uh, without spoiling just watch literally it. anything, just watch just it. It's it. on. It's like quarantine continues. People need things to watch. Dev's is on Hulu. The Outsiders on HBO Max. So watch both of those. All right. Well. That will bring our wrap-up of 2020 to an end. Uh, Next week, we will be finishing up a little bit by talking about our uh, predictions or what was left of them after uh, COVID-19 wreaked havoc, and also uh, making some uh, predictions for what 2021 has to bring in terms of horror. A lot of our predictions from 2020 will carry over um, since most of those films got pushed. Anyway, we'll talk about that then. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Share an episode with somebody. Follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod for a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we put out progress on It Stares Back. And, yo, I just want to say, because we always talk about It Stares Back, but, like, It Stares Back is one of those kind of games where, like, we're, we're super optimal. So, like, you don't have to have a super nice PC to play our game. Like, you can you, know, you can be running a toaster oh, yeah. and, like, still, and still play It Stares Back. So, just highly recommended. We're in early access. We're about to put out our next chapter, Tower Call. Uh, just today, like, we were, uh, like, confirming the script. Like, it's all ready to go. So, we're, like, going to be doing VO pretty soon. Like, we're super excited excited about the next chapter it's gonna be awesome um and uh yeah you can also see my work on art station if you search cleveland Mosier, and uh you can see some of my work in uh some of dread xp's games as well what with the dread collection uh and uh, yeah stay tuned on that um and other fun things in the future so that's all from me All right, well, I would like to end this episode with a rare shot of sincerity to ward away the uh, long-term effects of irony poisoning. (laughs) I just want to say, as our last episode of 2020, this has obviously been a very difficult year for a lot of people. 
uh, especially if you live in the U.S., but even if you don't. Um, and obviously, like going into 2021, a lot of um, – I mean, all of that difficult stuff is going to continue. Like, things are not likely to get better anytime soon. So I just want to say that doing this show has been a really good way to keep the madness at bay, at least for me, and getting to to talk to you guys about horror movies and do this. And so I just hope that people who are listening have been able to use this as um, a little bit of escapism as well, because it has been that for me, and I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate everybody um, who has um, been listening to the show. So... That's all. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll catch you in 2021. Bye-bye. <laughs>